What is up, FIU, FAU Nation? Welcome back to another episode. Chewable Podcast, as always, brought to you by the fine folks, Five Reasons Sports. Shout out to the boss, Ethan Skolnick, for giving us this platform, as always. This is the week that this platform was created for. Unfortunately, this is not the week that we've wanted in terms of this platform. Again, it is another Shula Bowl now. This is our third Shula Bowl for this podcast. But it is not the kind of atmosphere we'd like around this game. FAU comes in 2-2. Two and two. FIU comes in at 1-3. and three. Got a full house tonight. Myself, Eric Henry. FIU beat writer, SB Nation, joined by everything FAU, Owls247247sports.com, Shane Marinelli, and he is no longer David Handel on uh, at least the listing of this on Uber Conference. He is just sad. He's gone from sad sports fans to now just sad. Mr. Handel321, David Handel, our resident FIU super fan. Uh, before we uh, kind of get into what we're thinking as far as the Shula Bowl and, you know, predictions, previews, hot takes, we have plenty of them this evening. Want to allow, I know last week it was me coming off of my trip to Vegas, so I want to allow Mr. Handel. What do you want to fill us in on your uh, debauchery, your uh, escapades out there in uh, Vegas, sir? Well, I'll tell you what, it would have gotten a lot better if two things would have happened. Uh, FIE hold on to a 17-point lead, and the Dolphins don't blow it to the Raiders. However, it was an awesome time. Uh, first time really in Vegas. Um, it was pretty much as hyped as everyone said it was. Um, I think I slept a total of four hours and four days. Um, it it was a really good time, and I'm ha- very happy that I was there because like, if I was experiencing the losses at home um, I probably would have hit a deep depression but as I was in Vegas I was able to um, you know right after that game jump into uh, the sports book and try to erase my memory Shane O'Mac what is going on with you sir oh not much just cruising through the week not 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 on depression mode like FIU fans um, but it, it, I almost feel bad for them almost Almost like there was an inkling where I was like, dang, I feel bad. And then, you know, there's a couple, you know, rogue FIU Twitter accounts still talking. And I'm like, nah, let's, 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 let's hang a 50 burger on them this weekend. (laughs) The reason I know it's almost Shane is because you actually sent out early in the week, a pseudo invite to FIU fans, a call wondering who's going to make the trip. I'm like, come up. Yeah, and and no, listen, I no want to say this. There. Or, or go, no, go ahead, David. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think I saw a single reply to that tweet from an FIU fan saying that they're going this weekend. Well, I think a couple parents are still going. Players yeah, parents, but I would hope so. <laughs> what I was going to say is, you know, I talked about this a little bit before we started recording. David definitely wants your thoughts on this. Even as someone who just is completely neutral in this whole thing, it's kind of depressing to see just how you know, down the FIU fan base is right now. This is in the four years of uncovering the team. I said this off here. I think this might be the lowest that I've seen them. And I definitely can't speak into the years prior. I'm going to come to you with that, David. But even in 2019, I know some FIU fans, Shane, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Chia Panther and, and Danny Dennis and a couple guys from by your tailgate? Yeah, they, they, they were still, there was still some, there was still some hope at that point. I saw them on, uh, that night that it was a rainy tailgate and the, like the sun cleared just for a kickoff. It was a beautiful night um, and more owl domination. But yeah, I, I could, I, I could totally, there's a part of me that totally gets at this point. Um, you know, if my head football coach on third and two uh, decided just to run a, a comeback um, when the other team only had one timeout left, um, no, they had no timeouts left. Oh, no yeah, time they had no timeouts. Yeah, so they could at least yeah, no, we Even if we don't get it, you, you put the ball in the hands of your best player, and guess what? Yeah. If you don't get it, you can still kill like a minute off the it, clock, it, it, including we'll, the we'll, we'll, like, we'll get there. The we'll, Hondo, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I want to say everyone's hot takes. I want them fresh, wait, so we'll get there. Wait, Eric, I do want to say something about the yes. fan thing. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, this is pretty rock bottom. Um, I've been around the entire time, and granted – you know, in the early days, I was, you know, obviously very young. 
Um, so, you know, maybe, but even then, like, you know, it was a young program. Expectations weren't really much. The only time I've seen fans this upset was probably during the Mario firing, but even then was like semi split. Cause there were some fans that, 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 you know, didn't care. Like they didn't really like Mario weirdly enough. And, and they know who they are when they hear this. Um, but that was probably the most, like when I had seen like fans, really you know angry with the with the program and the direction of the program because then the Ron Turner years happened and it was just like just kind of trashed the entire time but then we bring in Butch and um you know whatever three three I, I'll say three good years uh even though the third year was just pretty much just the Miami win but still three straight bowl games we'll take it last year COVID year you know people were down but like all right whatever we lost we were losing so many guys after the Texas State game, people were like, man, like, come on. This is rock bottom, Eric. Like, th- I have not seen – this is universal sadness and universal anger. Like, this is this is a level that I, I don't think this, this team has reached. And to be honest with you, I'm considered by probably all of them the most optimistic fan out there for FIU, and even I'm hitting rock bottom. Like, I am dep- – like, I am, I, like, so – I'm going to I'm going to say it, though. There's an element – and I have my reasons why I think we should, this is how we should handle the show. We'll probably go pretty long today. Um, we should talk about the game and I'm also going to say why it's probably a good thing because that's why you need to clean house. So I think, I think, I think the year where you guys messed around and maybe fell to six and six wasn't good. So well, it, it's good to see that Shane is producing the podcast on air. So we'll go ahead and jump right into <laughs> things here. Now, I just got to give Shane a hard time. Uh, this was kind of the format I wanted to do here. Obviously, it is Shula Bowl week, so we do plan on going a little bit long, a little bit extended here. We will quickly touch on the Central Michigan game, quickly touch on the Air Force game, but also we do have some questions from Twitter that we want to solicit as well. So, David, we all know what happened, the 21 points, uh, 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter at the hands of uh, Shane, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that a uh, Carol City's uh, Daniel Richardson, if memory serves me correct? Yeah, state yeah. champion. There, there we uh, go. Also, which is just also, a final I've, spike of quarterback from your backyard, which, man, they sh- if you're Central Michigan, you're going, why weren't we starting him? Well, no, also, FIU offered him a full scholarship, and he chose Central Michigan over us. So there's so that. There's yes. more. <laughs> right, exactly. But as I mentioned, uh, Central Michigan managed to come down from 21 points. They get the victory. Uh, David, I want to start right there with the point you mentioned. You talk about the third and two. By no means am I trying to rationalize the call because I will admit, you know, this is probably as partisan as you're going to see me in terms of, you know, making it a, a statement one way or the other. I would have run the football, but I can understand just to play devil's advocate with how well that Central Michigan had been stopping the run, I can understand Butch Davis saying, hey, you know what? We're going to try and win this ball game here. Let's pass and see if we can pick up the first down. With that being said, as I said, I would have tried to have run the ball and maybe try to get at least bare minimum, uh, you know, 15, 20, maybe 30, 45 seconds off that clock, given the way that the secondary was performing. And really, you know, they kind of had no answer for Daniel Richardson in that second half, because the fourth quarter. So, David, you kind of hinted at your thoughts, but I'll let you take it away. Was that the most disappointing part of the ball game for you? Um, yeah, absolutely. There are a few, and I'll, I'll touch on them later. But yeah, I mean, listen, right? Like you know, benefit of hindsight. You know, if he catches that ball, we're you know we're 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 tooting a different horn. But come on, man! Like 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 you, we we weren't able to do anything in the fourth quarter anyway. Like at least you know, I granted our our defense had played well up until the fourth quarter because the fourth quarter. They scored 21 points, but until then they had only allowed 10, right? So you're basically giving them, you know, the plan. If, if he doesn't get it, you're giving them way less time. And, and the chance of them, you know, settling for a field goal is probably higher. But nonetheless, um, yes, I totally think you put the hands, the ball in the hands of your best player. Uh, personally, I get it. He wasn't playing. He has, he's had a few, a little bit of a couple off weeks, but I, I still think you put that on the ground there just like, like, oh my God, I, I just, I just, I, I, I'm just like envisioning the play in my head. And, um, and if you're going to throw it, like, I don't even, like maybe a wide receiver screen or something like, like to make sure that if he catches it, he stays in bounds of anything. Like, like he, it was just so off throw too. Like it seemed like it was either 
uh, a, a wrong route by a receiver or he just matches completely missed him. Um, but I, I'm team put it in the rock in the hands of Devonte price. Let him try to get the two yards. And if he doesn't get it, you kill way more clock. Um, you know, and that, that's the side, that's the side I would have taken. It was definitely the most frustrating just because of where it was in the game. A couple other spots that were frustrating at the time was the Bryce Singleton bad bounce fumble, uh, the, the punt, the muff punt that kind of just hit a bad bounce. But like, those are the type of things that obviously somehow continue to happen to us. And it changes the game from a 14, three first half to a 14, 10 first half. Um, and and then, yeah, the defense didn't really have an answer for Richardson uh, when they brought him in, and they literally scored <laughs> 21 points in the fourth quarter, and very quickly, too. I mean, two of the last touchdowns were, I don't even what, under four minutes? Like, it was it, it was, it was embarrassing, man. It, it, honestly, like, thank God I was in Vegas for that game because I would be way lower <laughs> now. Shane, really quick, before I uh, bring you in here, I want to hit David one last question here, and then I'll, Shane, let you kind of give your thoughts on, you know, FIU. I know you have them ready to go. David, want to ask you about your thoughts on the quarter, on the play of quarterback Max Bortenschlager. He's someone who, if you, you know, are on Twitter, or on social media, or any, anything, any of the forums that FIU fans have had a outlet to voice their opinion, they have made their opinion known that, you know, they quite – they're dissatisfied, and that's putting it lightly. So I want to get your thoughts on Bortenschlager. Um, thoughts on that, and then you know, kind of put a positive spin on it, so to speak. Your thoughts on the receiver, especially Tyrese Chambers. Yeah, I mean, Tyrese Chambers is an absolute stud, and it was really good to see Bryce Singleton out there too. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure both of them had over 170 yards. Um, they both absolutely killed it. The thing with Max, man, it's just like I, this This loss also um, – a lot of I saw a lot of people blaming Max. I don't think this loss is on Max at all. Um, I mean, you know, not all of it, but like he ma- he missed a few throws, and, and but at the end of the day, he had almost 400 yards passing. He's got he's got a cannon of an arm. He did miss um, a guy early, like wide open, but he kind of made up for it. But you know, he's just not like how do I put this? He's just like I just don't think he's the guy, but he's also not going to be the guy going forward as his final year. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. Like he he he, you know. He he he's fine. Like I I I don't think he's the absolute issue here. The honestly, the biggest issue with the offense is that one, we haven't been able to run the ball um, that well the last two games, and two, it's just like some of the play calls like that that we're we're going with. Also, is it only me, or does it seem like the FIU um, playbook is either like quick slants or an absolute bomb? Because I mean, Max had almost 400 yards, and I feel like that all came on like four catches of like th- three uh, Tyrese Chambers like bombs. Um, I, and also, I will say the receivers do bail him out sometimes because there was a few plays, especially one to like Bryce Singleton where he had to come back um, and just and come back and get the ball, and it was like thrown in double coverage that you know it wasn't a great throw. So I mean, I just don't. I just think he's like continuing to be like you know he's a serviceable like okay like man quarterback like he's not. He's not anything special, and he's not really, you know, that bad. Like he's definitely improved from last year, but I'm not going to go out and say, you know, he, he's killing it right now. To be honest with you, I think our receivers are kind of bailing him out from time to time. And going back to the Texas State game, he's made wrong reads, and then also I don't think the offensive play style is is really, you know, um, for him at times. David, this is the thought that I want to finish for you, and then I'll come straight to Shane. I've said this for the better part of a couple seasons now. It's this type of quarterback play where James Morgan was really underappreciated. I remember David, and I know some fans kind of, you know, get on me for this a little bit, but I remember here's the fact of the matter. In 2019, there was a small vocal minority of fans who felt that, oh, James Morgan wasn't able to escape, you know, certain things on like the RPOs and, you know, the fact that there wasn't a running threat and they should put Wiggins in on certain plays and this, that, and the other. The things that James did were getting you out of bad plays into good plays. It's not that Max isn't capable of doing those things pre-snap, but it's the ability to really kind of manage the offense. And if you look at Max Bortenschlager's completion percentage, it's 54.3%. That's the big thing. That has to be above 60, 65%. And that's where James Morgan was. That's the difference between you ending up in a ton of second and eight, second and nines 
and same thing third and longs and ending up in second and third and manageable. And I think that's a skill that a, you know, some quarterbacks are, are innate with, and some of that is it comes with the ability to, you know, change things at the line and, and within the offense. But a lot of that is just James as well, you know, being able to pick up things a little bit quicker and hit certain reads. I do think FIU fans maybe have a little bit greater appreciation for, you know, James Morgan that last year, or Alex Magoo, but Shane, want I, to come to you or, or go, or go ahead, David, go ahead, real quick. No, I just want to say, I, I actually completely agree. And I think, I think you kind of hit it on the head too. Like, I feel like he's struggling a bit reading defenses pre-play um, just based on some decisions in the last few games. Um, but I, I agree. I think his, his, you know, the completion percentage and, and making those smart reads and making those smart plays is definitely what separates him from Morgan. Cause this, I mean, this guy, this guy's got a good arm. I mean, he's got a, he, he, he throws a pretty nice deep ball. Um, it's just like, besides that, it's just like, it's just so inconsistent with him. You don't, you honestly don't know what you're going to get. Shane, I want to let you go and jump in here with your thoughts on FIU before we, uh, we transition to FAU. I know you've got, uh, thoughts in many different ways and I'm sure they aren't just limited to the central Michigan game. So I'll let you have at it, sir. Yeah, I think you guys kind of hit on the Central Michigan game enough. Um, here's my thing, and it, just kind of going back, FIU fan, and and this is more on Pete Garcia. And, you know, back when uh, I remember the big debate when Lane and um, Butch were hired, I mean, I mean, I, you know, people overwhelmingly said Butch was the better hire. Lane was, uh, you know, uh, uh, Michael, uh, pretty much what Michael Wilbon said about Lane Kiffin the other day is what every FIU fan screamed at on uh, message boards and Twitter about what my, uh, Lane Kiffin was three years ago. And, you know, I kept saying, in the end, if you look at Butch Davis, and obviously he's, he's had a great, a good coaching career, and, you know, is well known for putting together those greatest Miami teams ever. But if you go look, dig a little deeper, you could see he was pretty average at North Carolina. Well, people say, okay, it's hard to win at North Carolina. Is it? Another coach is winning there right now. Um, you know, I, I believe his record, I don't have it in front of me. He was two games above 500 in four years. Uh, in he was conference. 28 and 23, if memory serves me correct, I'll clean that up, but continue. Okay. Okay, so wait, and also, sorry, does that does that include the ones that were wiped? Because I'm pretty sure didn't he have like two seasons? I'm not including. Yes, yes. I'm not taking those out. I'm just talking right, about right. 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 He was 28 and 23. Continue, John. Yeah. Okay. So 28 and 23. That's in conference. No, 28 and 23 overall. Okay. So yeah. The, so I was I was more focusing on his conference record. So I mean, if you take out a couple, the you know the 28 and 23. If you take out the probably the one or two gimme games a year that North Carolina was playing against, you know, the Waffords and the East Tennessee States of the world. What are we looking at? And if you remember that time in the ACC, that was the end of Bobby Bowden. And that was Randy Shannon, Miami. There was a year in that ACC where Wake Forest and Georgia tech actually played in a, in a title game. So it was a, and this was pre, you know, Dabo Clemson. So you, you had like, you know, thus, why was Wake Forest and Georgia Tech in a title game? Um, so he what? And then, so you factor that. Okay, let's just call it what it was. He was pretty mediocre at North Carolina. Then you take him away from the game for what six, seven years, and then bring him into a program where the AD isn't on board. Okay, fully, and then you bring in investments and doing things. And give them limited resources. You have exactly what you have now. Butch Davis was was given a lot on his hire because people down here, for a lot of, for the most part, weren't paying attention to what he was doing in college football, and people only remembered what he did. You know how he brought back the Canes after you know kind of their mid '90s probation era, and. And now you, you just have a coach who's older and it just seems like, like, I'm not shocked. I'm, I'm just not shocked. He was mediocre at North Carolina and, and it's, you know, in this, in this world today, you got to be new and inventive and constantly, you know, bring in the top of the line staff. And it's just, it feels like he hasn't done that. And in some ways it feels like, Pete Garcia hooked up his buddy with a final paycheck. And I'm not saying that was Butch Davis's mindset going into it, but 
that's what it, that's what the end result is going to be. Shane, really quick, just to kind of touch on a couple points you made there. I texted this to you, but uh, you know, you were probably making a point, didn't catch it. Fifteen and seventeen when you take away the vacated wins, um, and of course, you know, just for the purposes of clarification, or the vacated wins are on Butch Davis's record. However, he was cleared of any wrongdoing in the situation in North Carolina, just for the purposes of accuracy. But fifteen and seventeen in conference is the point that Shane was making. And when you take a look at the games in specificity, the ones that were vacated, the out of conference games were McNeese State. Miami, excuse me, McNeese State, uh, UConn, Notre Dame, and I'm looking for a fourth here. I'm not seeing it, but it's probably going more to my my recollection of the uh, the AAC at the t- ACC at the time. Rutgers was probably still Big Big East, so yeah, so it should be McNeese State, Rutgers, UConn, and Notre Dame should have been the uh, out of conference games in 20 in 2008. The ones in 2009 certainly play to Shane's point here. When you look at the Citadel, UConn, East Carolina, and Georgia Southern. So not quite exactly world beaters. A little bit better in uh, year one than year two as far as out of conference. Regardless, he wasn't it, like he wasn't winning ten games a year at North Carolina. Where you're like, this coach is getting the most out of the program. It was mediocre. Sure, and, yeah. No, no, go ahead, and then sorry. you combine that with stepping out of the game first. How long did he do TV? Like, you know, one. When was his last year at North Carolina to when he was hired at FIU? He didn't do TV for all of the years. He did TV for five years. Okay. There, there's a seven-year gap, How- seven, seven gap, but five years on TV. Okay. A, you had a seven-year gap. You know, again, you know, it, it's not like this was this total shock, right? This wasn't. You know, I, I just think his name helped him a lot down here and gave him um, – it, it set people's expectations higher than they probably were. And it's not – and also, he's not all to blame. Again, I'm not going to be shy about it. You have an AD that's MIA, and, would it, you know, I, I don't know the, the details of FIU's fundraising and stuff, but, you know – you know, I could clearly see FIU fans voicing it on Twitter. And, you know, when's the last time FIU's put up a major facility or made huge improvements to the stadium? It, David, you know, I want to – go ahead, go ahead, that's on that's me. That's no, I'm just saying all that works against FIU. No, I, yeah, I kind of want to jump in really quick. Um, one thing I do want to note, I don't think the Butch Davis hire has been a failure, uh, like a total failure. He still took his three bowl games, biggest win in, in program history. Overall, is it what everyone expected? No, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a full failure. Um, however, I think more of our issue, while he does Butch deserve some blame, especially for this year and you know last really two years, I mean, I think you, you nailed it. It really starts at the head of the snake. It's Pete Garcia. He needs to be gone. He is... I don't know if I can even say that. I can cut this out, Eric, if you need me to. But he needs to be eliminated from his position and never to be seen from on FIU campus ever again. And this is something fans have been asking for since the firing of Mario, and nothing has happened. And guess what? Nothing has happened at FIU. We have, once again, we've barely gotten anything new and facility-wise. We don't raise as much money as other schools. We don't have an AD who really cares or you know is, is good with alumni. It's just it's, – it's, it's, I think – more of our issue starts at the top, uh, and it's it, it's him. It's and he needs to get out of town. No, David. Look, here's the deal. You're more than welcome to keep that in. I, we're going to produce this on the air again. More welcome to keep that in. I'll just leave it at this. Uh, as someone who is impartial, you know, doesn't really have a feeling uh, either way in terms of either school. I, you know, I never when I got on this beat, I said I would never judge you know anything prior to my arrival. I won't do that now, but. Come you know November and December, and we see where this team is at. I have twelve hundred words that I can use, so I'll use the twelve hundred words to opine as far as you know where FIU football is there and what I think uh, could change and should change. So I'll use those twelve hundred words instead of you know a, a thirty second soundbite here. Um, Shane, want to go ahead and jump into the uh, FAU game? It's something that you and I talked about a lot off air. We talked about a lot, um, you know, within the the group chat here or WhatsApp. The Air Force rushing attack, and as you said when you talked with Willie Taggart during the week, it's the first true triple option that FAU was going to see, and they need to start quick. 
They weren't able to do either of those things. Weren't either to, they weren't able to either stop the triple option or start quick. They lose with the final score on that one was 31 seven. So Shane, I'll let you give away with uh, take away with your thoughts on uh, the air force loss. Yeah. Like I've talked about this week is the not being able to start quick and air force just kind of jumping up with their first two drives. Uh, Nikosi played a, his poorest game, obviously. I mean, the offense looked 100 times better versus Florida than it did against Air Force, which tells you it was more about what FAU was doing. And Tagger kept pressing how Nikosi was pressing in this game. And it got to the point, I think, when they fell down, they were trying to get two touchdowns a drive, you know, which just leads to more mistakes. I think you're on the road, you're down. You're, you're sitting there going, okay, we only have so many possessions. We have to score. If we don't score, we have to get a big play. And it kind of spiraled. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. But, you know, I, we've seen Nikosi play three really, really good games in one poor one, in one poor one that was almost kind of expected. You know, this is one I call the loss in our preseason predictions. I, as I got closer to the game, I got my hopes up a little bit. But the, the game went about as expected as a team that went out to Colorado, played an elevation, and played a you know, that weird rushing attack. It's just it, it just wasn't their night. I don't know if you watch it, Eric. I'd like to hear like I, your more no, no, biased I, opinion on it. I, I I did. I watched the majority of the uh, uh, I watched all of the first half and into the third quarter before I switched over because a you know the game kind of got away from FAU and then ODU was sparked a nice little comeback. They were kind of a heartbreaking loss for the Monarchs, but. In terms of FAU, Shane, I mentioned this not only while I was live tweeting the game, but I've mentioned to you what's really concerning. And I'm literally, you know, it's kind of bringing it inside here. I was writing up the game preview before starting this podcast. I think the exact number here, let me go and pull it up. FAU has scored, uh, doing this on the flyer, so apologies, guys. FAU scored 104 points this year. Only 31 have come in the first half and only seven have come in first quarters. I think there's enough of a sample size. While, yes, opening week was against UF, that certainly isn't an easy challenge. FAU needs to get out to quicker starts, and that, to me, is somewhat concerning. Not that I think that that's going to continue for the entirety of the year, but when you look at things in totality, you just can't allow, you can't expect to be a consistently a second-half team and kind of get jump-started overall. In terms of the offense, kind of get jump-started uh, later in games and expect you know to be able to just do the things that FAU wants to do expecting uh, coming into this year. So that's, you know, thing number one. Thing number two, Shane, this is kind of, you know, where I'll defer to you a little bit. I, I'm not going to judge the 440-something yards that FAU gave up uh, against Air Force as some, you know, something indicative of their, their uh, defensive ability. You know, I certainly have more than enough confidence in their, in their ability on defense, you know, just as a whole. And then when you look at things like the Georgia Southern game, you know, that I think they allowed – uh, Georgia Southern to something like 135 yards rushing. That's a very good rushing attack. Uh, certainly had their struggles against UF and then Fordham, you know, they really dominated that game. But just as a whole, where I'm curious is this. That's a tough offense to prepare for. I don't give a damn if you have six months, let alone six days. But they just seemed kind of out of whack overall. And I don't know if I, in my game preview, I kind of wrote a little bit of that, Shane, as just when the offense is putting you back out there after, you know, some three and outs or not much success that's going to play a factor in the altitude. But is this something that you're concerned of as we get into conference play where, you know, okay, obviously each game is not going to be the highs of UF, but each game isn't going to be Fordham either. I'll tell you why I'm not truly concerned here. You know, I think he's rushing. It's like, it's one of the worst rushing defenses in the country, but again, they've played like three crazy rushing attacks in Georgia Southern Florida and I mean Florida ran the ball versus Alabama. They put up 250 yards. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried because other than the one long run Air Force had, they really had to drive the ball. Uh, I think FAU had them like three of 14 on third downs. So you know Air Force had to continuously go for it and just chip away. And, you know, I also just made the point with kind of the way FAU's team is right now and, you know, recruiting their young defensive line, their young defensive, their big defensive linemen are younger. Their older defensive linemen are small. They're just, 
they are built like kind of a Florida G5 team up front right now, which is fine. It's great. It'll work against Marshall, FIU, UAB. It's a little smaller speed. But against air, to, to, to stop the triple option, there's kind of two ways. You either are just fundamentally excellent. You have a great feel for it. Um, even when you do that, I mean, I mean, Air Force's quarterback, Eric, he's excellent. I mean, he has a feel for everything. Some of those last-second pitches, it's like it's, it's the nightmare when you play a triple option team where it looks like you have them, and it's just like pitch, you know, eight yards. Um, and, you know, it, 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 you know, like I saw I was saying, it, it, it hurts them up front, but in the other way to kind of stop it is you just got to manhandle them. You know what I mean? You just got to be so much more talented. Like if I'm just using an extreme hypothetical here, like if Georgia walked in there, it doesn't matter if they're in position because they're just going to throw guys around. So, you know, it just, it wasn't a good matchup, but that's how I'm looking at that game. It just was not a good matchup. Shane, one last thing that I do want to ask you about in terms of FAU that I just have my own curiosity about, you know, listen, I like the pieces in terms of receiver, in terms of, you know, TJ Chase. I, I really am intrigued by the move of John Mitchell at tight end. But Shane, listen, LeJonte Wester, and I wrote about him in my game preview, he's fourth in CUSA in catches. And I love what he's doing, but I don't view him as a true number one. I don't view him as a guy while he's he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. I don't view him as that type of guy who, you know, if it's third and seven, third and eight, need to go get a, a first down. You know, I thought that guy would be TJ Chase. Um, any concern at all as far as just, you know, where the FAU receivers are? Or is that just, you know, uh, kind of early start and things are still going to kind of, you know, get going with them and Nikosi? No, I think going into the year, I said they were pretty average. And I think pretty average. BJ Alexander's hurt. He, you know, he's been hurt since camp. That's a guy they caught, I was hoping. You know, so you kind of have Wester. And, and Wester is excellent you know, in the slot, doing those things. Brandon Robinson is Mr. Dependable, right? Like you can depend on him for four or five catches a game, just kind of automatic. And then someone else kind of has to emerge. TJ Chase just hasn't had the numbers he's had last year. Uh, I think kind of maybe the style of the offense, you know, getting things to our quote unquote tight end, John Mitchell, you got to kind of remember John Mitchell falls, I guess in the tight end category now, um, but still a receiver. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times you're just not as spread out as much. You know, they run a lot of 12 personnel. Mitchell and Patton are on the field a lot. So it, it's just, it, there's not like a whole lot of room for all these receivers. So Jane, I, I'm not too worried about it, but I will say this. FAU is not a team designed to be like, okay, we got to throw the ball 45 times tonight. Their offense is very much based on play action, running the ball. FAU lost the game against Air Force because it, the running backs had a combined 13 carries. I mean, that, that, that's what really happened, you know. Shane, what I was going to say, I think that was a really excellent point in terms of the style of offense, and that is true. You know, a lot of what FAU is doing right now is they are not spreading out the field. So when you view it from that point of view, that is going to kind of, you know, tighten up things and, and make it a little bit harder for – the receivers kind of make those plays downfield. But as I said, you know, I think LeJante Wester, um, when you look at Conference USA receivers, I mean, he's he's not Jacob Kong or Justin Garrett per se, and that's not a talent thing as much as, you know, different offenses and different expectations. But I think he's he's more than capable of, of giving FAE what they need. But want to transition here into the questions we have. And uh, we got a fair amount of FIU questions, but I, I want to give Shane this first one here, which is a, a uh, FAU, pseudo FAU question here. So, Shane, um, I'll ignore the first part, but first from Twitter, it is from at uh, JCAlex22, one on Twitter. He said, A, is this week's spread too lopsided, referring to the 10.5 point spread? And then also, he's asking you, what was the difference between FAU's performance against UF and Air Force? And I mean, obviously the talent level is one thing, but I'll answer the, the, the spread one first. I think there was an overreaction amongst betters, uh, amongst Vegas, to how FAU played versus Air Force. When I think they're not truly 24 points worse than Air Force, I think it was just kind of the circumstances and the wheels that kind of fell off the bus in that game. You know what I mean? And it, 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 like that's what happens with triple option teams. I mean, like if I had to draw 
if I had to make a stereotypical movie of what happens, it's you, you get down early, you, you press, you feel like you have to score every possession. So you press even more and then it just, everything else falls apart. Right. Like that, you know, that's why those teams win so many games. So I actually think, you know, I think people are overreacting. I think if, you know, even if FAU played relatively closer, I think this would be like a 14 and a half point spread. I unbiased betting. I really like the 10 points FAU's getting at home. Like what's given away. At I home. think it's I, extremely low. I, I I'm with you. Yeah, I think, it, I, I think it's really low. I think people are just overreacting to kind of a, a really weird, tough game on the road. Right. And they're just looking at it like, well, G five team beat other G five team by 24 points. No, it's not circumstance. You know, Again, FAU looked better offensively against UF than Air Force, which again tells you it's not so much what Air Force did; it's more like just FAU's mistakes, which they still got to clean up, right? Like that, you know. But still, like if FAU corrects them, they're a much better team. Um, and so yeah, like I, obviously the talent, but again, you know, there, there's a reason why I, I've joked on multiple podcasts, and the difference between those games is. You, you don't schedule that game. Like, end of story. I mean, that's it. You just don't. The only out-of-conference non-academy school to beat Air Force out there in the last 10 years is Notre Dame. That's the difference. So there you go. You can call it the Pat Chun game if you want to. David, Thank you. Uh, a, a lot of these questions uh, are probably coming my way, but I want to give you a chance to kind of, you know, get in here a little bit. So I'll start with this one. Um well, let's go start with this one. Uh, it's from our guy, Scotty Pippen, on Twitter. Uh, Owlsy for press. How much more can FIU fans take? No, honestly, we can, I guess we can take an unlimited amount at this point because we've hit rock bottom. So I guess there's really not much lower we can go because we can literally get blown out this weekend. And people are so emotionally scarred that I don't think it would affect them anymore. I think they'd be like just expect- – people are expecting – like FIU fans – are expecting us to just get rocked this weekend. Like, I, I genuinely think that I, I think we've reached the lowest point. I swear to God. I don't think there's more pain that we can, um, you know, accomplish, I guess, because the only thing worse would be blowing a 20-point fourth quarter lead to FAU this weekend. I, I'm going to say this. If FIU blows a 20-point fourth quarter lead to FAU, I'm retiring. So instead, FAU fans are right now. They would uh, they, that would be a lost FAU fan. They, like, and I don't think it would be. I think that FAU fans are getting a little. Sometimes they get a little bit on the, <laughs> you know, high, the expectations are high. So I'm uh, telling you right now, if FIU blows a 20 point lead, a fourth quarter lead to FAU, I said this for LIU, but I really, really mean it this time. I will absolutely retire and you'll never hear from me again if fiu blows a 20 point lead to fau that's gonna be the longest wait for a post-game press conference in my life oh no no no, eric 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 if fiu blows a 20.4th quarter lead um save me some room on the f on the ucf band uh, wagon because i'm hopping on we got i don't have to worry about that i i think johnny ford and Larry McCammon are going to take care of that. I know. FIU is going to cover the first half because FAU sucks first half. And then FAU is going to cover the second half and remove any doubt. All right, David, want to run this one by you too because there's another one I think you can chime in on. This one is from our guy, uh, John, on Twitter, you know, FIUJM, my man who, of course, won a lot of money underdog fantasy. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com. But I digress. Uh, his question here is about EJ Wilson and Flex Joseph. He's wondering, why don't we see more of them? You know, I get that we're good with Price and Peterson, but we got to find a way to get these explosive guys on the field. I'll apply after you, but I, I want your thoughts from the fan perspective. To be honest with you, now that I think about it, we did see a lack of Flex Joseph specifically in this game, um, especially because we had been using him a good amount in the first three games, especially, I mean, I get it. We were getting blown out by Texas Tech, but even before like it was a blowout, I felt like we were using him a lot more. Um, yeah, I actually I, – I didn't even think about that like going into this game, but we didn't – we literally did not use him at all. I, I don't believe he touched field besides special teams. So that's I, – I don't know why, 
to be honest with you, I, I thought he's been playing, you know, pretty well. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's a good third guy to throw out there. And I, I can't even, I have no idea. I have, I don't know why that he's not in the game. He should be in the game. Well, I'll just kind of give you my two cents here as far as um, it's simple as this, Shane, because we talked about this with FAU. It's only one football, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard when you got, you know, McCammon and Ford and Davidson and other guys. It's the same thing here. There's only one football. Uh, I, I listen, I'm not a fan of splitting the entire series, which is what seems to be done with FIU. I mean, probably get the majority of the series, but then they'll take them out for an entire series and give Sean Peterson a series or EJ Wilson. Um, and we saw the play that EJ Wilson went for the uh, swing pass for a touchdown. That was a specific play to EJ Wilson. When I spoke to Max Bornschlager post game, he was the, uh, he was the hot on that play, but yeah, I, I think there's only one football, you know, so that's the, really the easiest way to answer that question. Um, I'll, I'll hit on one from your dad, David, and one uh, other one we got here from our guy Drewski. I think both these going to kind of come my way, but uh, I'll give you a chance. Uh, you know what, Shane? Um, Shane, I'll give you this one. So, uh, hopefully, you're. Uh, I, I'm not catching you off guard. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Which one do you want to take here from? Uh, I'm the Max Kellerman of the Shulabol Pod. I think I could debate myself. There will be no Max Kellerman hate on this podcast. <laughs> um, Shane, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you this one. Um, why can't Butch beat FAU? Is it talent disparity between the team or is it coaching? Why Butch Davis has been owned? And that's a quote from uh, FIEJM on Twitter. Uh, both. I mean, I, I think especially uh, in, you know, the lane year, I mean, I think the talent disparity, I, I think there was even, you got to remember the first year they met, uh, that was a pretty good FIE football team. There was some expectations coming around in that game. Um, actually, we were, a Wisconsin loss away from game day being at that 27, uh, 2017 game. Uh, but, you know, there's just this little problem where after you had these, this guy, Devin Motor Singletary, running around, you know, <laughs> for a couple of games in this series. And, and I think the most crushing one for FIU fans had to been the 2018 year, where it was a relatively close game all the way through. And I even think FIU had momentum. I remember uh, what's his name made the really great catch in the end zone and FAU. Yes. Yeah. And uh, FAU, Chris Robinson was just struggling. He was coming off an ankle injury and he was just, he threw the ball away on a fourth down and it was just like, Oh, you know, Uh, and FAU brought in DeAndre Johnson and FIU didn't have an answer. And like the wheels just fell off. So I, I think like it just seems like FIU in this game, they have like one thing and it, it, adjustments aren't made, but you know, FAU has been really talented, you know? Um, but man, even last year, I mean, FAU was, you know, the quarterback that's starting that started versus FAU, FIU last year is now like a rotational receiver and get the occasional jet sweep and JV on Posey. And he went and set like a, uh, like a, a, a team record for a quarterback rushing in a game versus you guys. So I, I just don't know. <laughs> I, I, I both is my answer. I'll go ahead and take this one from Eddie's. We close up the questions and then we'll kind of, or go ahead, David, did you want to say something or. No, no, no. that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. I, I thought I heard something. Uh, uh, I'll take this one from your dad. His question is, how can a Butch Davis team that went to three straight bowl games beat University of Miami? Of course, Eddie would say UCG. I'll say University of Miami. Uh, two quarterbacks drafting the NFL, et cetera, have such a drastic fall. Um, and he kind of goes on, you know, kind of <laughs> give his, he opines as only Eddie can. Guys, this is something, as I said, you know, and, and it's the same thing that I, I, I gave when David kind of gave his, you know, thoughts as far as um, the greater athletic situation at FIU. We'll see how this season plays out, but I have a lot of thoughts uh, that I will put into an article when the season ends. Shane, and I saw Jake Elman, our old buddy Jake Elman, who used to you know, be a co-host on this podcast, say, you know, I'm sure he was saying it in the spirit of a rivalry, say that the 2018 game against FAU really broke FIU as a program, the one that Shane just referenced. Uh, I would disagree. I would say the 2018 game against Marshall is the really the tipping point 
Butch Davis and FIU since that game, since the 2018 season, if my math is correct here, they are seven in 15. So it's not certainly a good record. But the reason I pinpoint the Marshall game into Eddie's question, that game was supposed to be a coronation for the Panthers. You know, as Shane mentioned, they took the loss to FAU, but they went the next week and got a win at Charlotte, which was Florida International's last road win in 2018. But that was November 17th of 2018. And they came home and were supposed to, you know, against a Marshall team that uh, Shane, here's a you know a throwback in CUSA names. Uh, Tyler King was the starting running back. He was banged up, and Isaiah Green was inconsistent. <laughs> there was a little-known third-string running back who would make his first start for Marshall that day. His name is Brendan Knox. He ran for a buck twenty that game, and Marshall came to FIU and upset the Panthers. And in my mind, I'm not sitting here saying that you know that's the specific reason why we're here. Where we are now, but. David, I mean, I definitely want your thoughts on this because it's something that I just dwell on to this day. I really think about to this day. That was really a turning point for this program. If they get that win, they win CUSA East. They're playing in the conference title game against UAB. And they don't get that win. They get the Bahamas Bowl win. But just since then, it's always felt like the expectations were set. You know, they 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 came to 2019 with expectations, really underachieved at six and seven. And then we know what happened last year and where we are now. That game was supposed to be a coronation, Dave. I'm sure you remember it, a noon kickoff, a beautiful day for football, and it just was, to quote Maurice Alexander, the same old FIU. Yeah, um, no, trust me, I know exactly uh, what game you're talking about. I'll even go a step further and say I think the week before is even more crushing when we lost to Old Dominion, which put us in the scenario that made Marshall the must win. Um, And it's just like – it's just like almost like yeah, like classic FIU. Like like they they'll never make it easy on, on not only the fans but on themselves. Like they'll find a way to to take the hardest route or just like make every scenario just ten times harder. Um, but I, I agree. I think that that Marshall loss it was kind of the start of the ripple effect um, that you know has led us to where we are today, um, and. Yeah, and you'd think the ripple would have stopped after the Miami game, but then ironically, we we end up going to lose to Marshall again. So they seem to also be another root of of our issues. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that that's that's probably a good starting point. Uh, really quick, before I come back to Shane, so we kind of get into Shulable rivalry. You know, before we close this one up, just want to clean up something David said really quick. I think you said David that they lost to ODU. Uh, that you did beat ODU that season. That was the the game at a uh, Cornblatt Stadium that James Morgan threw for uh, three hundred something yards. That was the lightning delay game. I think the game that you met was the the loss at home against FAU. That was the the previous loss that uh, they had. They uh, they went and and coming into that Marshall game, they'd beaten UTSA and beat Charlotte on the road. But yeah, I, we we know what you were talking about. Uh, just want to you know clarify that. Wait, I thought so. So sorry. Wait, the ODU was the year. Didn't we? Didn't we? When we lost ODU, wasn't that the year that we lost to Marshall after? Or am I wrong? I mean, uh, I, I, you're definitely right. Your your Panther <laughs> your Panther fandom precedes me, so I'm not doubting that you are uh, correct. But since I've covered the team, they have not lost ODU. Oh, I okay. I'm almost positive because I just know that as one of the heartbreaking losses because it was not even heartbreaking because it wasn't even just kind of at home i remember it because it was the night that um um beat notre dame i don't know if you were there yet it might you yeah but you started when i think it was butch's first year actually second year second year yeah then maybe i'm, I'm getting them mixed up but i know for sure we lost to odu because it was the night that they, miami they, beat notre dame and it was brutal they lost to ODU 37 30 in November 11th, 2017. That may be the one that you're thinking about. Because um, the reason I, I know they beat ODU is as a, a writer, you never forget the games delayed by lightning. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. I actually, that was, I actually remember that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm just mixing up the years then. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're all good. But, um, Shane, you know, want to leave this last portion of the episode for you two here, Shane and David. Um, first off, Shane, we will say, you know, we're going to produce this one on the air. We will be at Irishman, not David Handel, maybe not at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m., but Shane and I will be at Irishman. What time are we going to be there, Shane?
<laughs> Did we lose him? <laughs> what time are we going to be there? Shane. <laughs> Shane's already there. Bro. Oh, man. Sorry. I, I didn't realize that was on mute. Yeah, you, can you know that. Shane's 45 years old. I probably fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, this is way past my bedtime. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we are going to be there at 1030 chatting it up. Uh, you know, it'll be a little quiet morning in there. Be, you know, headed to the stadium parking lot opens at 1130, you know, full four hours before the game. That's how FAU does it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll head in. Eric can hang out. We'll go live from there. Maybe get into a little bit more game preview, actual X's and O's. Cause I'm actually a little bit more worried about this one, uh, than, you know, I just, you know, I just don't like desperate teams, but what we can talk about, I guess, that that morning. You know what? I'm back. You should be worried because we're coming out hot. Okay. So, okay, okay, hang on. So, 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 so if you're back there, if you're back there, David, that means you're going to be there at 1030? No, uh, I'm not going to be there at 1030, but I will be at the game. Um, I might be the only Panther there, but I will, will be, be at there. the tailgate, David Handel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not showing up at 1030, but I will be at the, I'll be there at the tailgate. I'll be there a few hours earlier. Um, but I, I, I will be there. All right. So, so we've, we've got it. We know we've got Miami. It. Go ahead, Shane. So we know how that Miami time works. So he <laughs> yeah, will be exactly. there sometime midway in the first quarter. <laughs> Maybe the so second. We, we've, we've officially got it on the books. You can see me and Shane at Irishman uh, sometime around 1030. And then you can find David when he uh, makes his way to FAU and Boca Raton. So with that, we will close this one up. I want to say thank you for listening, as always. We know that this is not exactly the atmosphere that fans want surrounding this game, but we are more than happy to provide our energy and our coverage of the Shula Bowl. You can catch Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane, and of course, everything FAU related, Owls247. You can find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel321 and uh, all of his FIU and just his general pop culture, you know, coverage and uh, all things that, you know, come with being a, a, a rich house husband. So, uh, cool to that. And you can find me on Twitter at Eric Henry. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I messed up my own Twitter because I got that joke off on David. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Want to thank you guys for listening and happy football watching. It's Shula Bowl week, baby. <laughs>